Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Seeking Stories podcast. I'm here with a good friend, Adam Garlow, who is a lover of stories and a lover of history um, and has a lot of good thoughts about both of those areas. Um, Today we're going to be talking about a movie that we both thoroughly enjoy. Um, It's about 20 years old. It's called October Sky, uh, 1999, I believe it it came out. Right. And it is based on a a fantastic uh, true story. And Adam, do you want to give a little bit of a summary for what the movie's about? Yeah, uh, so the story takes place in Colwood, West Virginia, uh, which is actually fairly close to where I grew up in Beckley, West Virginia. Um, but the story, uh, the story centers on Homer Hickam. Uh, he's a coal miner's son, and he and his friends became inspired to take up rocketry um, when the Russians launched Sputnik. And um, this was something that was against his father's wishes, and so the story is, is just about um, these four boys just following their dream and trying their best to get out of the, the, the isolated confines of this little coal mining town in West Virginia. And it's a story that um, I'm going to kind of go really deep with it real quick first. Um, I would even go so far as to say that while it is definitely a story about you know boys loving rockets... I almost feel like it's more like a father-son story overall. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. The, the rocket tree is, you know, it's almost the backdrop of this this boy who's, I guess, was he a sophomore, junior in high school? Something like that. Um, who's, whose father, like Adam said, just doesn't want him to, to do this because, to go into rocketry, um, because he thinks that he's wasting his time, he should be a coal miner like the rest of the, the town does. And we really see how rocketry you know, what, doing it or not doing it brings these the father and son together. And really the Rockets is kind of like a shroud which kind of covers the whole main theme of how do a father and son get to see eye to eye in a way. Right, yeah, that, that theme of the, the conflict between father and son um, just really runs throughout, uh, throughout the, the movie. Um, and it's really interesting to see too, because Homer has has a brother named Jim, and he's the you know the sports star. Um, he's the uh, um, I mean I think it's pretty clear that mm-hmm. he's his his father's favorite. Right. Um, and uh, so you know Jim is you know the one that's getting the, the football scholarship, mm-hmm. and he's doing everything that's 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 right um, in his father's eyes. But uh, but Homer. Um, doesn't have any direction mm-hmm. according to his to his father, even though he consist, consistently says, "I want to build rockets. I want to be a scientist." Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, yeah. And for at least for for me, when I was watching it, and it will someone take a little bit of a step back. Um, I just watched the movie for the first time in almost twenty years. I saw it when it came out on video back in the gold uh, VHS VCR years. <laughs> uh, I remember um, I, I grew up loving model rocketry, and um, when this movie came out, I had a friend who said, "You have to see October Sky." You know, it's like it's what we do with all the family drama there, and um, and without the coal mining, of course. Um, so I watched it in two thousand and haven't seen it since until now. Now it's you know two thousand eighteen. And just the, I have I have two images in my mind from watching the movie back then that stuck with me all those years. Um, one of them is about um, halfway, a little bit more than halfway through the movie. Um, Homer, for a variety of reasons, you know, goes says what he's, he's, he does what he said he's never going to do. He's going to go down to the coal mines and, and work 
um, because his father's been injured. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some other people own the house, all that. You know, he, he, he needs to become the, the man, so to speak. And there's this image of he gets into the, the coal mine shaft and the elevator's about to go down and he looks up and he sees Sputnik fly across the sky right as the basically the elevator drops him down to the earth. And that is one of two images that stuck in my mind from that movie for the last almost 20 years now. And at least for me, that's kind of sums up the the theme of what the rocket the rocketry is. It's a symbol of, of, of hope in a way and a symbol of what things could be like. You see at the beginning of the movie, um, everyone goes outside and sees Sputnik flying across the sky. Um, and then at the end of the movie, when Homer's, spoiler alert, his final rocket goes up and the whole town sees it go up for you know miles and miles, you see it from so many different people's perspective, the rocket traveling across the sky, and it's like a direct reflection of that scene earlier when Sputnik is also flying across that sky. That imagery is just so pertinent throughout the whole story. Right. So um, that just, you know a movie does something well when it um, it sticks, a certain image sticks with you for, for so long. It's very, I guess, uh, it's, it's symbolic, you know, that's a symbolic image. Right, that, that image of Sputnik flying across the sky when Homer's going down in the, the elevator, it's uh, what stuck with me is that you know, he didn't want to go in the mines, mm-hmm. he was forced to. Because if his brother went into the mines, he would lose his scholarship, and right. and Homer didn't want to, you know, didn't want that to to happen. And so as he's descending down that that shaft, mm-hmm. his dream is in the sky, yeah, and it's quickly fading as he's going into the dar- the darkness of the mine. And you hear one of the 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 miners say to him, you know, turn on your light, boy. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so you know. He's he's there. He's in he's in the mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's just a, it's a great when a story, and we we rip on movies from the '90s a lot. I feel like because a lot of times there's so much fluff there, and of course there's so many good '90s movies too. Mm. Um, but they're just yeah, one of my, one of my gripes about this movie is that there is a little tiny bit of a forced love story between Homer and some girl that I don't even know if we find out her name ever. Um, but this is what it, it what Adam just said it does well. It, it has that very clear image there that just um that stays stays with you and, and kind of focuses the whole movie towards you know you know what is it what does it mean to follow your dreams for lack of a better word but also do what's necessary to you know repair relationships and, and be a man and be a man when you need to be a man and do what's right for your family but also when it's time to say um but this is what i feel like i need need to do um so it's 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 a good balance especially again for something that came out and an era where a lot of movies were looked down upon for some some fluff in a way. Right. I think one thing that this movie really does well is that it also shows that when you are following a dream, mm-hmm. that it's important to have that consistent um, force that is encouraging you. Mm-hmm. And Miss um, Riley just really yeah. plays that part in this in this movie. Um, in the commentary track. For, uh, for this movie, Homer Hickam says that, um, you know, they had been building the rockets and everything mm-hmm. for uh, for about a year before Miss Riley like really started to to take notice. But oh, wow. just just like in the in the the movie, once she did take notice, 
she saw something wonderful in these boys. Right. And it was, you know, this thirst for, for knowledge, this thirst to, to get out and, and see the world outside of, of Colwood. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that, um, that, that representation of encouragement through Miss Riley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, she's, she's the perfect example of a good, I'm um, kind of relate this back to, um, storytelling elements. You know, if you're listening to this saying, well, how can, you know, what can I take and apply to my own stories? It's, she's a great example of a minor character that also deals with her own struggles, um, because she is suffering from a, a major illness mm. and I'm going to butcher the quote and it's, it's a great quote, but she basically says, you know, if she does all this encouragement, you know, for, um, Homer and his friends and, you know, when they, they reach their low point and kind of give up, um, she has this heart to heart moment with them. And she says, well, this is, you know, if I've done all this, you know, teaching, pouring into you. And I think she was about 30 years old at the time. Yeah. Um, she, she died at 31. Yeah. So it's, you know, I think at that point she knew that she was sick. Right. Um, you know, if, she basically told him if I'm going to, if I'm doing all this and you're just going to throw it away, then what have I done? Everything is basically worthless. He says it much more eloquently than that. Right. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's a good, great example of how, how to make a minor character, not just come out of nowhere and, you know, give the character what they need and then, you know, take off. Basically throw away. Right. This is someone you, you care about. You, you, you invest in this character, maybe not quite as much as Homer, but you want to see her succeed, not just for the protagonist's sake, right. but for her own sake as, as well. And it makes us care about the main character more more so when you have people rooting for them or even against them like the father in a way right um on that note as well uh, one thing that again, another storytelling element is that you know in, in a way the father is the the antagonist kind of the whole the, the culture is as well um but he is the main person that you know is against homer for most of the story Mm-hmm. And you know, if, if the father had you know completely supported them, there would have been really no story there. There would have been a, a great little tale of a couple of kids telling, you know, building some rockets. Dad, I'm gonna build some rockets. The end. Great. <laughs> yeah. The Get end. your scholarship. <laughs> um, a hearty handshake and credits. Yeah. Pat on the back. Um, there'd be no no plot there. Right. Um, but even the the father, you you do care about him. He's 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 definitely a jerk. But right. you also care about the fact that he loves that town. It's a vice in a way because he loves the town more than his son. But he gives his, you know, he doesn't physically give his life, but he's willing to put his life in harm's way for the people that he does love and care for. Right. And and he loves he loves Homer and uh, Jim and, and mm-hmm. Elsie. It's just a different way of, of of showing. And I'm not saying that it's that it's right or wrong, but you can you can tell that he does he he does love them mm-hmm. um and just as staunch in his you know belief that um that homer wants to build rockets and get out of colwood his dad is just as staunch in his belief yeah. that um that uh that coal mining is you know what's put food on their table and provided mm-hmm. for them and that's what it will continue to do right um and that's that's why homer should should go into the to the mine right and it, it makes us even care kind of the same way that um miss um, riley the teacher did you cared about homer more because she cared about him 
we care about Homer because we see that there is a little bit of hope for him and his dad. You know, they have a few, even before the ending, they have a few moments together. Think of the moment um, when they're basically a part of the story where um, uh, his father was in an accident in the mine and is recovering. He may lose an eye. He goes in the hospital. Um, and him and Homer have a little moment together there. And this mm-hmm. is before anything wraps up by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, with their with their relationship, but you see that yes, there is some hope there. There is something worth fighting for, um, which in a way makes you know Homer struggle just that much harder in a way too. You know because he has to eventually decide: Am I going to follow my dreams? Um, he he sees what it's like when he starts to follow his father's footsteps, and he sees how proud his dad is of him, mm-hmm. and he wants to make his dad proud. You know, at the end, he has that fantastic line where he basically says, "You're my hero." Um, to his dad right and that's that's another line of conflict throughout Mm -hmm. the entire thing because whether things are on good terms or bad Mm -hmm. um you know between those those two characters the one thing that's definitely consistent is that homer wants his dad's approval yeah you know um, desperately wants it right and um and more often than not he doesn't get it right and um, that even brings us to, um, you know, traditional storytelling has, you know, the three-act structure. And whether that's good or not, we could debate in another video entirely. Yeah. Um, but um, generally speaking, a lot most stories do have some sort of act structure in a way, whether it's done well or not. Again, different topic. Uh, but most good stories have a moment where the main character has to decide, is the path I'm going on... Um, worth it or not, near, near the beginning, usually around the 25% mark or so... Um, they may have dabbled in, you know, what they're doing a little bit, but then, you know, when the rubber hits the road, they say, is this the path I'm going to follow? And I think in, in this movie, it's when, um, you know, Homer, he, he has a fascination for rockets from, from day one, pretty much. So he goes and he's building his rockets with his friends and all that, and then, you know, his father finds out what he's doing and basically has thrown it all away outside and it's in the rain and it's all getting, you know, wet and supposedly rusty and all that. And, you know, Homer's upset there. And, you know, that's the point in the story, again, early on-ish, 20, 25 minutes in, where he says, mm-hmm. you know, is this worth pursuing or not? And he decides, yes, this is worth pursuing, even though my father is not, you know, okay with this right now. Um, and that's something that the story does really well, is it set, sets the stakes up from the beginning. It says, if I follow this, I know, follow Rockets, I know that I will um, be against my father's wishes. And mm-hmm. it's that, you know... And I love my father, so is, is rocketry worth following, even despite the fact that I don't, you know, my father isn't okay with this. Mm-hmm. And that just, it's a little explosion which sets the story off on a, on a bang in a, in a good way. Without that moment there, we wouldn't have a story either, I would, I would right. think. Right, and it's still a tough decision, but one thing that makes that easier is that Homer consistently has his, his mother's love and support, mm-hmm. you know, to, to you know... Go and do this hobby, just as long right. as you don't blow yourself up. Which he almost, uh, he almost did right away. As soon as she says that, right? Don't blow yourself up. Okay, I'm gonna put this rocket on uh, on the the fence, and then it just gets blown to pieces. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, <laughs> it's, there's there's a lot of good funny funny moments in the movie, and that's one thing they play off well is the the humor of four high school kids, you know, in the fifties, mm-hmm. um, in a small coal town right with literally nothing else to do yeah so they play football if they're good 
or <laughs> and try not to blow themselves try not to blow themselves up <laughs> yeah yeah um but even the the cast of the the four main main kids is just so you believe that that can happen. It's you know we're what sixty years past the fifties now, mm-hmm. so it's a little bit harder for you know us who are a little bit younger to quite understand that that life in a way. But I thought the movie just did a really good job of seeing you know how how life was at the time. You know you have the one kid that um, who's the kid with the glasses, the the nerd kid. Who's, he's Quentin. called Quinn, favorite character in the movie, I think. Uh, yeah just you know we find out that you know he basically lives in a trailer with his mom and i think a couple of kids and is basically outcast from society and you know knowing that's a lot of the things that are prevalent nowadays were also then as well a lot of times we think back to oh you know the good old days of our parents or grandparents everything was you know 50s and nice and ice cream parlors and all that but things carry over from generation to generation just like they they do nowadays and there's still those those struggles that people have to overcome and um, I think they did a good job of showing that it wasn't just Homer's struggles that were there. There were, you know, Quentin's struggles and another one of his friends whose dad was a drunkard. Roy Lee. And how they all had to band together. Yeah, there's that one scene where uh, after the boys get mm-hmm. arrested that um, that Homer's dad goes over and mm-hmm. he, uh, um, he has to intimidate Roy Lee's stepfather mm-hmm. um, because he's... he's beating him instead of correcting him right you know um another way he decides to you know bloody his lip and and Mm -hmm. homer's dad won't have any of that and that's another thing that uh, that that shows the the duality Mm -hmm. of that character that chris cooper plays he's not all bad no um and you know that's definitely not the uh the the intention um, there's, there's, there's moments of, of good and bad. Right. Um, there's, there's a lot of conflict just within that one person. Right. It's very, he's a very, I think we'd call it a very complex character. Right. And definitely. They, they both, I mean, in a way, Homer and his dad are just, they're basically mirror images of each other. They right. Both and have they, the, they say as much yeah. at the, at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they have this almost the same wants and needs, or I guess their their wants are different, but their needs are the same. Their their need is to have a father son relationship, and that's what drives the story more than almost anything. Right. You know, Homer wants to you know be you know, launch rockets and go work at, at NASA and change the world that way. His father wants to work, you know, head up this coal mine and do well for his community and change the world that way. Um, but buried under that is just that that father son need that we talked about at the beginning, just of you know they they need each other and you know it, it would have been a very spoiler alert so cover yours if you don't want this spo- the the end spoiled um but you know that's what makes the movie not bittersweet in the end because they do reconcile um at the beginning of this i said i mentioned there's two two images that stuck out in my mind from 20 years ago and the the second image was his father coming up and launching that last rocket for him that just kind of kicked me in the gut 20 years ago and did the same thing now just because it is that everything is leading to that moment it's not the moment that homer wins the scholarship it's not the moment they win first prize in the science fair those are all great moments but it would have felt a little bit hollow if that moment with his father wasn't there at least i thought Right, all of those moments lead to the the moment of reconciliation when he wins the the prize in Indianapolis. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's building toward proving to his father 
that uh, you know all of this stuff is is worth it right um and his dad starts to believe that because there's the uh the part i forget the name of it the the part um of their rocket yeah that's that's stolen mm-hmm. from the, the contest uh, the contest along with the the autographed picture from mm-hmm. front of von braun um and uh, and so his dad ends the strike which that can't be understated like Right. Ending a ending a strike where basically the whole town is is just shut down mm-hmm. until the workers get what they what they want. Yeah. His dad ended the strike just so the machine shop could be opened back up. Right. Um and the, the part could be made and they could ship it over overnight. Like that's 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 a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, it ends up coming through for for Homer and and the other Rocket Boys because, of course, they they win, right. um, and you know that's that's thanks in no small part to uh, to Homer's dad. Right, and I think like you said, um, that's a part of the movie that was almost sadly understated. Like it just it was almost glossed over in a way how important that that was. I remember when I even when I watched the movie again a couple nights ago. Like understood that that's what happened, but the gravity of it almost wasn't present there, like it like it should have been in a way. And if the movie has any faults, and there's not many of them, I say that's one of the few things. Just understanding that that was such a huge moment for for his father. Not again, like you said, not just making sure those Homer had those pieces, but it took him ending a strike to do it. Which right. Is just you know, like you said, can't be understated at all. Right. Um. One um. One line of dialogue that I that I just thought was was great. It's just um, how how are we? One of the ways we're introduced to Homer at the beginning. Um, he's in class and his teacher says they're they're basically going through I, it's some science thing. Um, and the teacher basically says we're to Homer we're talking about being in orbit hundreds of miles above the Earth. Know anything about that? And you know you tell you know his mind is just in the stars. You know wanting to to be there. You know with the astronauts. Which you find out like later on in the end credits that he goes on the train astronauts. Um, he wants to build his rockets, and that's just such, such a great way to introduce a character with such one, you know, poignant line of, "This is where you are." Um, but you know, it's very subtextual, which isn't an easy thing to do for a writer a lot of times. So just the way they they forged his character from the beginning, I thought they did pretty well. Um, one thing that I didn't necessarily like this is again going back to the whole strike thing was I wish they would have added a little bit more suspense in there from a storytelling perspective um you know it's your big act three climax right and you kind of you knew what his father was doing you know if I was telling the story which <laughs> they've got you know the filmmaking you know kudos to back themselves up so they know what they're doing um, if I was telling the story, I would have maybe held off a little bit from, you know, is the father going to do this for him? Is he not? Um, and I, I understand it's more of a, you know, a feel-good part of the story, but there wasn't any tension there, I felt like. Right. I, I agree. But on the other hand, it was rushed out of necessity mm-hmm. because the judging was the next morning. Right. So if anything was going to happen, it needed to happen now immediately um so i would have liked to have seen more tension i'm sure that the tension 
was was there mm-hmm. in in the little bit of time right. between the the phone call and when the when the the strike ended. Right. But we just didn't see it. Yeah. I agree. It was kind of glossed over. Mm-hmm. But it didn't hurt the movie in the grand scheme of things. At that point, we were so invested with the characters. Right. Right. No. That you know, I think a lot of times Hollywood movies nowadays they they do tend to you know milk those tension scenes a lot for better or for worse. Sometimes it's it's for a purpose, and sometimes just you know come on, get on with this, so that we can we know what's going to happen. Um, it's better to have too little mm-hmm. uh, than than too much when it comes to tension. I I, I would say because I think so instead of overplaying. Um, the, the the tension in the storyline, right? Um, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. it does. And one, one thing that um, my wife said when we were watching the movie is that you know, if this movie was made nowadays, he would have lost the science contest. Just the way that you know, movies have become a lot more cynical in the last twenty years. That's that's a really good point. Um, but you know, in even I can't, I can't believe the movie's twenty years old at this point. But you know, we we needed that that ending. And again, it's it's a true story, so we couldn't just change history even though movies do that all the time right but such a such a key part um like i said it was never having that having some false tension there um unless it was played really really well that that wasn't the point of the story you know it is important that he wins the science contest and we have that suspense there but that's not what the movie's about right right we we have the the feel-good moment of Mm -hmm. you know Homer holding that that piece of uh, script mm-hmm. in in his hands, which for those of you that, that don't know, script was the uh, the currency of um, of uh, coal towns, and those could could vary from mm-hmm. from town to town. Um, so each town had their their basically their own individualized mm-hmm. currency, to where you couldn't get out of of the town. Um, there's there's an old song um, called. I think this is the name of it. I sold my soul to the uh, the country store. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something like that. But all that to say, that piece of script that he, that he held in his hands, he was essentially holding the town of Colwood in his in his right. hand. While he was the only one that could go to Indianapolis, um, he brought a piece of them with him Mm -hmm. and so that that was a really nice visual illustration right in my opinion but um yeah because he's he's trapped in a way um Mm -hmm. if it's like adam mentioned earlier unless you got out on a football scholarship you were a coal miner in that in that town so the fact that you know there was the slightest chance of him and his friends getting a scholarship in you know, making a better life for themselves. That was that was huge. It's not like they could just pack up and, you know, I mean, I guess they could just pack up and leave, but well, that's been extremely difficult. Well, like I said, in a, in a lot of cases, you're not even paid in U.S. currency. Right. So there's nowhere you you can go. You'd be starting you, from literally base one. Because the the money that you do have is is mm-hmm. worthless outside of outside of your town. Right. And I think in you know more about history than I do, but I think Script was started in the 30s during Depression era. For a lot of towns, there were a lot of towns had something similar when they just couldn't pay their people. They started their own internal currency. That, that sounds right. It's been a long time since I've read about that, but some sometimes had something like that. I think, which right. again, we're twenty years down the road, but but still, I mean, you had the depression and a world war in between all that, so there wasn't a lot of time for things to develop um, culturally past past that in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Again, big generalization there, but some things you know had 
held for sure, especially in the smaller the smaller towns that had one one industry to support themselves, and that was your expectation. You're gonna do your schooling, grow up, and become a man and go down into those mines, which is what his father did and most other people. So the very fact that he was trying to break away from that was, it's not like nowadays where you know what do you want to be when you grow up? There was the one answer to that back then. Right. Um, on a totally different note, and this is the kind of the filmmaking side of me, this kind of always geeks out a little bit about, you know, who makes these movies. And I find it fascinating that the director was uh, Joe Johnston, who out of all the, the Hollywood directors, you know, he tends to have such an eclectic group of, of movies. You know, you've got, you know, you've, you've got your you know, Christopher Nolan's who tends to make, you know, one he does a lot of genres, but, you know, one style of movie and all that, um, and so on and so forth. You know, Peter Jackson does, you know, the fantasy epics. Um, Joe Johnston has done everything from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids to Jumanji to Hidalgo, Jurassic Park 3, Captain America, The Winter Soldier. He is signed on and to direct... the First Avenger. Yeah, the, the... Oh, yeah, the Winter... Or the First Avenger. He didn't do The Winter Soldier. That was the Russo Brothers. Um, first Avenger. Um, he signed on to do The Chronicles of Narnia, The Silver Chair, which starts filming at the end of 2018. Oh, wow. Um... I love this movie, The Rocketeer. The Rocketeer. It's he does so many good movies, but they're so different. And yeah. you just have to be such a un, I guess a unique person to have the mindset to tell so many different stories that are so completely different. Yeah, he's got the Nutcracker and the Four Realms mm-hmm. coming up in November. Yeah. Um, and for any of you that haven't seen the trailer, you need to watch this. It mm-hmm. looks incredible. Um. And the the cast is, uh, yeah, it it looks it looks really good. Kira Knightley, Morgan Freeman, mm-hmm. Helen Mirren. It's uh, it's he has good. He, he's he's good at what he does. Um, and he actually got his start. Another fun fact is a conceptual artist for the original Star Wars movie. Him and um, Ralph McQuarrie were two of the the um, art or uh, production designers. Oh, wow. So, you know, a lot of those iconic images you see from Star Wars that came out of this guy's head, you know, probably when he was, I, I don't know how old he was, I'm guessing probably in his 20s or 30s at that point, and he goes on to direct all these you know, wonderful movies. You know, out of that list we read off, I can't think of a bad one in that bunch, really. Maybe Jurassic Park 3, but I don't think that was his fault. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's... So while we're talking about the, 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 the cast and crew, one thing that I just want to say is that Chris Cooper is just amazing in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's one of he's one of my favorite actors for sure. Um, he uh, he was actually in another movie that um, that takes place in pretty much the the same area. It's called Mate One. Uh, it's about the uh, the Mate One massacre. I don't think I've ever heard of that movie. Yeah, it's it's very very good, um, but it's basically um, the the story of the showdown between miners and um, uh, the Pinkerton boys. Okay. Um, and so it ended up with a uh, pretty much a, an old west style mm-hmm. shootout in the streets of of Maywan. Um, it's a very bloody encounter, but <laughs> uh, uh, Chris uh, Chris Cooper's great in that and i'm just looking through his um his credits here um most recently he was uh he was smoky and uh in cars three okay 
Yeah. Um, yeah. He was, of course, he has his big role um, as the first antagonist in the first Jason Bourne movie in the Bourne Identity. Right. Um, he was uh, he was in the Patriot. Mm-hmm. He was criminally underused in the Amazing Spider-Man Two. He was. Oh, I forgot Norman about Norman Osborn. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's just he's just a phenomenal actor, and he's he's teamed up with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal uh, two more times. Oh, I didn't know that either. Outside of outside of this, yeah, um, the first one was Jarhead. Okay. Um, which came out in two thousand five, mm-hmm. and the second one, um, the second one was Demolition. Okay. It came out in 2015. I haven't seen that one either. Um, and what's interesting about that is that, of course, in October Sky, mm-hmm. he plays Jake's uh, father. Right. And in Demolition, he plays his father-in-law. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, and um, just a quick note about that, just because mm-hmm. I'm interested to see this. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, uh, the movie Demolition is the success. It's uh, the story of a successful investment banker that uh, struggles after losing his wife in a tragic car crash. With the help of a customer service rep and her young son, he starts to rebuild, beginning with the demolition of the life he once knew. So hmm. that That's sounds a clever way to spin the title. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that sounds interesting to me. But yeah. um, with uh, those two actors in in the movie, um, mm-hmm. sounds like it'll be good. It sounds like a good one. But Chris Cooper, I mean, he is he plays characters with such truth to them mm-hmm. um even you know back to october sky it's 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 hard to play i mean i'm not an actor so if i may be so bold i think it's hard to play a character who has to show that he vehemently loves two different things in a way it doesn't show that he really loves his son you know throughout most of the movie but he he definitely it, that that love is there because it's his own flesh and blood he cares for him um and chris cooper just plays it with such truth there and it's it's stellar. Yeah, I don't really know other way to put it. Another thing that I want to mention about about October Sky is um, the the score. It just adds so much to the um, to the, the the storytelling here. That's just true to the uh, true to the period, mm-hmm. um, and it's just so so. Um, um, if this makes sense, well timed. Right. Um, I mean, I know that that's, that's a goal with, with a lot of scores and I really know about, you know, what goes into the, the composition of, sure. of, of film scores, but you know, you obviously want to time it, but like this just really like tugs at the, at the, mm-hmm. the heartstrings, but it's actually through the, uh, the, the score that we came to picking this, exactly. this, <laughs> uh, this, this film for, uh, for this week. Because like when I'm at work, I love to listen to, to film scores, and um, Mark Isham's scores are just just amazing. This is one mm-hmm. of them. Um, he's he's done just a lot of different things. Um, a river runs through it. Um, just uh, a lot of a lot of different movies. Uh, the Conspirator that was that was really great. Uh, centers on the the uh, the group of conspirators and the the Lincoln assassination, mm-hmm. um, and this is an, another one of my favorites, uh, forty two, 
Um, the Jackie Robinson story. The Jackie Robinson story. Um, that's that's an amazing um, soundtrack. But um, but uh, pertaining to, to October Sky, like this uh, this score just does such a wonderful job of adding that 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 depth mm-hmm. to the um, to the to the story so right it really it, it draws it all together you think you know here's some some homework for you um if you try to you know w- watch a scene from the movie like the scene where he's ascending Comer's descending into the the shaft in the ground and turn off the audio and just listen to it you know without any of the music there and you're you know you're not going to have the experience that you would have you know without without that there right um it just one thing that Christopher Nolan does, I'm going to take this in a different direction real quick, um, is he makes his his editors edit without a temp track, without music in the background. Um, a lot of times, you know, editors, and I've done this in the, the short films that I've done, um, is you, know, you, you pick a piece that you really like, that you know you think he's going to f- feel uh, fit the mood of the movie, um, and you edit to that, you know, you get all, you know, if you're doing like a, an action scene, you'll edit to that, and it'll just you get your energy going. Christopher Nolan um, tells his editors, no temp music, just edit just the bare bones without anything there because then when you overlay the music it'll just become that much better because you've already made the, the edit as tight as you can be without music there um mm. so again it's it's good for um you know filmmakers to try to get it as close as you, you can get without music a lot of times but you're never going to have that experience there without just that as adam was saying that perfect score that fits the time period or fits the genre fits what you're trying the story that you're trying to tell it just adds that extra layer because film is just, it's it's such a an all inclusive um, art experience in a way. You know, you've got right. you know, this, the color palette of a movie is huge. You think of like the line in which the wardrobe, which started out as very muted in blues and grays, then bursts into color, which very much so, um, you know, Aslan coming and winter dying and the witch's power fading away. Um, you know, sound effects, dialogue, all that, it, it all, there's no other art form. So I think it's why we love movies so much in a way that you get all that together. There's something great about books and I love reading. I think you do too, Adam. Where right. it's, just, it's great to build that imagery in your mind and there's nothing like that in a way, but on the other side of the spectrum, there's nothing like a movie where you take all of that um, and just put it together and music is always the last key that pulls it all together in a way that gives you that emotional experience that makes you feel what the characters are feeling even when they don't say something even when homer's staring at the sky and sees sputnik cross by his dreams are about to die the music is what makes you your your heart wrench and you, you feel what he's feeling right uh, was there anything else you wanted to add about the movie as a as a whole before we wrap this this one up i i don't believe so i'm glad that we that we chose this this is a, a great movie and um for those of you listening, if you haven't seen it, um, well, first of all, this has pretty much been all spoilers. So that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you've pretty much seen it now. But either way, yeah, go watch it. Um, it's it's a great movie about um, an important uh, part of of our our history as a nation. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and in, you know as we've we've covered, it's just a well told yeah story. So. It's a fun one, and maybe you'll want to go launch some rockets at the end of it. Just don't blow yourself up. Just don't blow yourself up. Don't do it on your uh, mother's white, white, <laughs> white picket fence from, from the 50s. Uh, but anyway, thank you uh, again for uh, listening to this week's episode of the Seeking Stories podcast. Uh, again, this uh, podcast series is part of the website SeekingStories.com, where we 
Um, the goal through that is to just uh, encourage uh, future storytellers and current storytellers uh, to tell epic stories with excellence and um, to examine storytelling um, through the lens of actual stories. So again, thank you for listening and we hope you have a great week.